0: today on This Christian Life. Why would a 10-year-old boy want to
1: die? For me, the thinking was, if the next 10 years are anything like the past 10 years, I don't want any more years. But let me tell you something what I know. Man's rejected is often God-selected.
0: That's our guest, Ron Archer. He's a pastor, author, speaker, and accomplished businessman. But as a child, his life, by all human accounts, was a hopeless one. He was wounded way beyond what we can even discuss on this podcast. He was brokenhearted and had absolutely no hope.
1: Why would a 10-year-old boy one to die. Well, let me give you some background. You see, my family is biracial. My grandmother comes from a small town in Germany called Bern Castle Kues. She migrated to America and her family established their home in Cleveland, Ohio. My grandmother was very beautiful. She's very tall, very blonde, green eyes. She was white and long and skinny. Our nickname for her, because she was so thin at the time, was French Fry. My grandfather was a black Cuban. He was this huge, weightlifting, sugarcane field working behemoth. And so he was very dark. He was so dark, he was almost purple. But very handsome features, very handsome Cuban. And so our nickname for him was Hamburger, because he was charcoal broiled. Well, as time would have it, a hamburger and french fry met in Cleveland, Ohio, and they made a happy meal and they produced out of a marriage seven McNuggets. Now, understand that during this dispensation in our country's history, it wasn't politically, socially acceptable to see a big black man with a beautiful white woman. So my grandfather would pretend to be my grandmother's driver and he would drive her to work she worked as a manager at Woolworths and he'd drop her off and he was very kind he would bring her flowers and the co-workers would say to her oh my goodness your driver is so loving And she said you have no idea and so they hid their marriage from uh, everyone who was around so they could Survive, And he had beautiful mulatto children, beautiful fair skin, dark hair, handsome um, young men and very beautiful women. And all was well. Well, my grandfather was now an American citizen. So was his wife. They had paid their taxes, built their first home. And so he said, enough of hiding. We are going to announce to the world that we're a husband and wife. On their wedding anniversary, he took her to her favorite restaurant. It was called the House. She loved her German cuisine, you know, from Wiener Schnitzel and Sauerbraten and all of those great German dishes, and they had a wonderful time. And they were walking hand in hand in downtown Cleveland and a man who wasn't from the area saw them together. And it just was something he could not comprehend. This black man with this beautiful white woman and he was drunk and he walked up to my grandmother, ignoring my grandfather, and he said to her, Why? Why would you love a nigger like this? And my grandfather, uh, hearing that, didn't like it. Instead of walking away as he should have, he had a temper, he's Latin. And his fist and his arm went back to Cuba, came up through Florida, uh, shortcut through Pennsylvania and met the man's jaw in Cleveland, Ohio. And he hit him with such force, such veracity, such vitriol, that he broke the man's neck. He was convicted, as he should have been, of attempted murder. He was put into jail. He went to a jail called Mansfield Reformatory. If you ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, that's where that movie was filmed, at that particular prison, Mansfield. And he was locked up in his cell 23 hours a day, and um, that's where he spent his time. And so, it hit the newspapers that my grandmother was married to this convicted felon, and it was bad for business. And so, they let her go from Woolworths. And grandma, being a tremendous German woman, the Wunderbar at Fräulein, uh, didn't complain or blame anything. She began to get jobs where she could, and she began to work cleaning people's houses and being a cook but then something began to happen to granny she was driving her car and she would pass out and and wake up in the bushes she would be mopping the floor and just drop on the floor she was having these fainting spells and blackouts and didn't know why after a few months of this she was getting worse she went to the doctor long story short they found out that she had cancer that was behind her left eye metastasizing to her brain and they told her we're going to have to take out your eye and a part of your face to save your life you know what do you do when you're 35 years old you're a beautiful woman with seven children and now your husband's in jail now they tell you we have to disfigure you and you're going to lose an eye and you're going to lose some of your face and it was devastating and she had the surgery of course and she was so depressed she felt ugly she felt horrific she had depression and just couldn't work and all that. And eventually they lost everything. They lost the home they had built. They lost their car. They lost everything. And they were in the streets, like street urchins, living in abandoned housing and shelters. And in this chaos and confusion and all of this malady, the family just disintegrated. My three uncles, two of them, got hooked on heroin. One went to prison for attempted robbery. They joined a gang called the Devil's Disciples. The whole family became atheists. My grandmother's father came to see her in the hospital and said, you know why you've been cursed like this? Because you married a black man. What does light have to do with darkness? He said, you know what? You can come and live and stay with me back in Germany, but you have to leave your black babies behind. They call them schwarzer. They can't come. with you begin. And she said, no, I can't leave my kids. I, their father is in jail. I'm all that they have. And her father went back to Germany and they had a practice called shunning. And that is if you do something that embarrasses the family and besmirches their name, then they turn their backs on you. They had a funeral. They took her clothing and all her pictures and put it in the coffin and buried it in the backyard. And they were never allowed again to speak her name or talk with her because she was dead to them. So she's abandoned. She's rejected. She's now sick, half a face, kids running wild, husband in jail. And that's when my mother got into trouble. My mom was 14 during this time in her family's life. My mom is beautiful. She looks like Liz Taylor and Angelo Jolie. And by 14, she was fully figured and so there was a predator in the community he was a pimp and he told my 14 year old beautiful mother that he had a job for her, that they would pay $100 a day and she would simply have to be a hostess and dance with some of his customers at his bar And but she would make $100 a day and she's 14 and she has no protection and there's so many women out here being sex trafficked and they don't have anybody to help them and my mother was one of those women during this time and she went down to the bar and grill and they gave her clothing and high heels and pearls and it wasn't a place for dancing and for being a date she was sex trafficked and she was uh, abused sexually and uh, her body was taken from her and by the time she was 16 after multiple 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 partners uh, she got pregnant and the pimp said oh no you can't uh, have a baby you're making too much money and so they decided to have an abortion with her but the baby just wouldn't die After so many attempts, the baby was born premature on a hardwood floor in an abandoned home. This is called having a trick baby, which basically means that woman of the night and she turns a trick having relations with another paying customer and every now and again, there's an oops and she got pregnant and that baby is called a trick baby. And the baby was born prematurely, had lung problems, uh, ear, nose and throat didn't correct, ear infections slowly disabled as far as academic capability. And the child just didn't do well, and that child was me. I was struggling in school. I was teased because I stuttered severely. His name is Renardo. He is a retardo. He sits on the steeple. When he talks, he spits at the people. And I learned to be quiet. I learned if I didn't stutter, I wouldn't be teased. And so, I refused to answer questions in class. I refused to read out loud. I refused to talk, and they called me mentally, etymically retarded, and put me into a border room where I finger painted all day, and that's where I lived my life, and that's where I was lost. And my mother was still involved in her activities. Now she was a high class call girl with very expensive singers and businessmen and judges and lawyers, and she would go out and leave me with a babysitter who was sadistic, and this woman. I will call her friends over to get drunk, and I won't get into the details because it's horrific, but I've been sexually molested. By that time, I was 10. I was retarded in school. I wet the bed. I was a stutterer. My mom didn't know how to love. I had no father. We lived in poverty, shame, brokenness, rejection, horrific abuse. We didn't know God. There was no Bible. There was no prayer. I just wanted to die. I said, death has to be better than this. And that's why I took the gun and put it to my head and closed my eyes and pulled the trigger. My mom had enough sense to put a safety on the gun. So I didn't know how to use it to unlodge it. And I just went to bed that night, remember vividly banging my head against my wall, a little bedroom closet. And I just banged my head against the wall and I cried out, help me, help me. I didn't know who I was talking to. I didn't know who was listening. I didn't know who would respond. I just cried out into the darkness. I needed help. There is a God that sits high and he looks low and he hears the cries of his children in the womb, out of the womb, because God sent an angel the next week to my school, a new teacher, her name was Mrs. Spears. Mrs. Spears was an auxiliary of the Gideons. So she had a big Bible she carried around, which she was allowed to do for every reason. And she talked to the principal, and she said, I want the worst children you have. I want to tutor them. I want to mentor them. And he said, sure, I got one for you right now. He's a stutterer. He's a bedwetter. He can't learn. His family's a mess. He's in the border room finger painting. You can go see him. And I remember the day so vividly mrs. Spears walked into my little room where I was finger painting and she said hi baby my name is Miss Spears I'm from Mississippi I'm gonna be your speech teacher I'm gonna teach you how to talk and I said hi hi uh, hi hi ma'am she said they told me you can't talk is that true I I, I, I tried but 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 I st- I, st- I stuttered we gonna fix that, cause God don't make no junk, baby. Uh, we gonna use the Bible as our tool to help you learn how to talk. I said, I, I've never, I've never read, i never read the the, the 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 Bible. What? Oh, we gonna change that? Do you know that you're in the Bible? I said, me? She said, Yeah, baby, you're in the Bible. Can we look at it right now? I said, Yes. <laughs> I started talking like her.
0: Amazing love, how can it be? In that basement, on that day, God was doing something amazing. In a dank room where no light was meant to shine, there was a child who had been cast out from the others. His first learning experience wasn't about the ABCs or one plus one equals two. No, it was the living and powerful word of God, a light, the only light, in Ron Archer's dark world.
1: She said, I want you to turn in the Bible to Jeremiah chapter one. I want you to read this. This is you. And for the first time, I took the word of God, the transformative, dynamic, life-changing, soul-saving, generational, altering word of the living God. And I turned it in the pages. And I turned it and I read Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. Oh my goodness. I can't tell you the lights that went off. I can't tell you the hope that entered my soul. I can't tell you the joy that entered my mind, the possibilities. And it said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you came forth, I set you apart to be a messenger to the people. And I said, Oh Lord, I cannot speak for I'm only a child. The Lord said, do not say you're only a child. For I will put my words in your mouth. And wherever I shall send you, you shall speak for me. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. And I looked up with tears in my eyes. She said, that's right, baby. I know about your background, but it don't matter how You were conceived. It don't matter who your parents were because God himself put you in your mother's belly for a divine purpose. You belong to him, baby. You belong to God. You are God's child. And I want you to read this Bible and I highlighted some promises. I want you to memorize them. Is that okay? Can you do that for me? I said, yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. She said, and don't you be ashamed of being a stutterer because Moses stuttered. I said, oh, I saw the Ten Commandments. She said, yeah, he was a stutterer. And look what God did with him. And if God can do that with him, he can do the same thing for you. I was so excited. I took the Bible and I began to read all of these promises, of God, before you, who can be against you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and offer you a hope in a future. Even though I go through the valley, the shadow of death, thou art with me over all of these verses, all of these promises, I began to read that I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I just kept reading and reading and memorizing and memorizing and reading and memorizing every Every night I would put two or three verses to memory, sometimes whole chapters. I just began to just love the Bible. I looked at these people who were not perfect, who were dysfunctional in their own ways. And yet God, I learned that God didn't call the qualified. He qualified who he called. That God used imperfect people to reach other imperfect people, which was his perfect work. I became so excited. I just read it and read it and studied and memorized over a two-year period. I memorized over 2,000 scriptures. David said, how can a... young man keep his way clean but taking heed according to thy word thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee after two years of memorizing so much Bible my brain was transformed through memorization I developed a photographic memory that means that when I went back to school, school became easy. I got talk about Aristophanes and Rippides and Cleisthenes and Pericles as they climbed the Acropolis and met at the Parthenon to start the first democracy. There was nothing I could look at and read and then forget it. I just could not forget it. My recall was amazing. And I graduated first in my class, got a scholarship to college, became a pastor and a businessman when I was in my early 20s. And my family came to my church and Began to understand the power of the living God. And I preached on Mother's Day. My mom came and I preached on the rehab of Rahab. And she gave her life to Christ. And I baptized the entire family, my sister and aunts and cousins, and all because somebody was willing to share with me the word of God. My grandfather got saved. My grandmother. It was funny, my grandmother would come to my church and she was hard of hearing by this time and she would be sitting in the pews and she would hear me and and she's not used to long sermons and back in those days, I was a young man and preaching with the hermeneutics and exegesis and homiletics and wanted to preach, you know, for a long time and I was on point number seven. Now she didn't know she was loud. She thought she was talking quietly, but you could hear it throughout the church. And, And when I said point seven, she says, Oh, this is ridiculous. People have to pee and the whole church just cracked up and I ended my sermon quite quickly.
0: Jeremiah 29 verses 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart.
1: I come from the sewer. I come from the gutter. I was sexually abused, physically beat up, rejected in school, but let me tell you something what I know. Man's rejected is often God's selected. The Bible says Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not yet. He became the Prince of glory, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I want to encourage you. I was born a trick, baby, but the trick was on the devil. What was meant for evil in my life, God has used it for good. doesn't matter where you start. doesn't matter what you've gone through. If you only say yes, God, here, and he will turn your pain into power, your scars into stars, and your stumbling blocks into stepping stones. And I want you to know there's hope. There's a future. God loves you. Greater is he that is in you Than he that is in the world. Everything you've gone through in your life is a down payment on your destiny. God will not waste it. Like he did with Joseph, like he did with Moses, like he did with David, God is in the business of turning tragedy into triumph.
0: Jesus Christ makes all things new, even those that seem completely broken and impossible to fix. That's a promise. That's just one of the promises God makes to all those who are called according to his purpose, those who are part of his story in this Christian life. This Christian Life is a production of Family Stations Incorporated and is not affiliated with Christian Life Magazine or Plus Communications Incorporated.
1: Family Radio.